Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for October the 8th of 2019. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams, and five days a week, Monday through Friday, I bring you the hottest gaming news that you need to know right here on the Jam Pack Report. You can find the show on YouTube or on podcast services, but wherever you might watch, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you enjoy what I bring to the table and stay up to date every single weekday. But today we are talking about a streaming platform as our headline feature with Mixer numbers coming in from Streamlabs and Nuzu reporting on Q3 of 2019 in terms of the streaming wars. Now, numbers are available for Twitch, Mixer, YouTube, but today we are focusing mostly on Mixer. Then, speaking of streaming, Fortnite is compared to cocaine in a potential class action lawsuit. We will talk more about why that's kind of ridiculous. Then, Monster Hunter World continues its world domination in terms of Capcom games. PS4 Facebook support is ending. And finally, I will put a pair of Destiny 2 shoes on your feet, or at least I'll tell you how you can in the coming weeks. But that's pretty much the lineup for today's show. And again, as always, I hope you enjoy what I bring to the table. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. First off, Mixer tripled its streaming hours following the exclusive deal with Ninja. In its first quarterly streaming industry report, since top Twitch streamer Tyler Ninja Blevins signed an exclusive deal with Microsoft's Mixer, Streamlabs and Newzoo report that the platform has nearly tripled the number of hours streamed and doubled its channel count. 32.6 million gaming hours were streamed on Mixer in the third quarter of 2019, a 188% increase over Q2. Those hours were spread over 3.9 million unique channels in Q3 compared to 1.95 million in Q2. The report speculated that Ninja's move encouraged other streamers to follow him in migrating to Mixer. So, streaming is up. However, viewership down. Not all of the news is good for the platform. Viewers spent an all-time high of 100.9 million hours watching gaming streams on Mixer in Q2 of 2019, but that number dipped 10.6% to 90.2 million hours in Q3. Still, the service's annual viewership has nearly doubled. Average consecutive viewers dropped 11.7% to 40,800, while the average viewers per channel declined from 8.9 to 2.7. Both changes can be ascribed to the spike in new channels. Mixer's gains are unsurprisingly coming at Twitch's expense. Its channel count had already been in steady decline since the start of 2019 and dropped another 19% in Q3 to finish at 3.77 million. Part of the decline can be directly attributed excuse me, to the service's reliance on Fortnite, which has been experiencing steady drops in viewership since Q2 of 2018. Epic Games lost its spot as the publisher behind the most-watched gaming stream titles last quarter for the first time since mid-2018, and has since fallen behind Blizzard and Riot Games as well as Valve. Blizzard's fortunes were driven by the highly successful August release of WoW Classic, which I can admit I watched a good bit of. Some other negative trends for Twitch seem to be ending, with total hours streamed rising from 87.3 million to 89.6 million in Q3 after a 10% dip in Q2, and average viewers per channel and concurrent viewers also increased slightly in Q3, settling at 28.2 viewers per channel and 1.16 million concurrent viewers, respectively. So, in essence, things looking great for Twitch in terms of a recovery, a rebound from Q2, not looking so good for Mixer. And I can, without a doubt, say that whenever Ninja moved over from Twitch, tons of people began to see Mixer as a legitimate opportunity, and they jumped on that. And I've talked about this before on episodes, and I'll talk about it again here. I made a video 
before any news about Ninja had come out, comparing Twitch and Mixer. And within about a span of a month, between the time that Ninja announced his move and started streaming on Mixer, that video generated tens of thousands of views, which that might not sound a lot for other people. For me, that's pretty massive. It was getting comment after comment, tons and tons of people commenting about their thoughts on streaming, where Twitch was, where Mixer was. That really did speak volumes as to where people's attention uh, was beginning to shift, and a ton of people began streaming on Mixer. But the way that I described this is that if you think of Twitch as an ocean, Mixer is a puddle. And so whenever you begin to have a giant flux of people, number one, coming to Mixer for the first time, but number two, beginning to stream for the first time after having been a viewer for so long on Mixer, you begin to have an oversaturation of content creators without people to actually have eyeballs on the content. Uh, that's one thing about Twitch that always is going to have uh, that advantage over every other streaming platform because as it stands right now, way more people are watching Twitch than are actually creating content on Twitch. And that's the kind of ratio that you have to have. Because if everybody's streaming, who is going to watch? And that has always been a problem with Mixer whether we like to admit it or not. Uh, but without a doubt, interesting to see the Q3 numbers coming in. YouTube Gaming still hanging in steadily, uh, pretty much in the middle of the pack, not really doing great, not really floundering either. Mixer, though... Interesting to see it having some ups, some downs, and overwhelmingly, the future is still very uncertain. Of course, we've talked about one of the co-founders leaving. There's a lot of shaking up going on behind the scenes of Microsoft when it comes to the streaming platform. So the next few years are going to be very interesting without a doubt. However, tons of people still playing Fortnite on Mixer, and guess what? It's being compared to cocaine in a potential class action lawsuit. A Canadian firm has requested an authorization to begin class action proceedings. Fortnite continues to be catnip for lawyers, this time finding itself targeted by a Montreal legal firm that's requested authorization for a class action lawsuit on behalf of parents of two children who are allegedly addicted to the Battle Royale. Calix Legal, ooh, getting French on me, says it was contacted by parents who claim their children had become dependent on the game, which they would not have let them play and had they realized there was a risk. The firm compared Fortnite to cocaine and tobacco, claiming that Epic knowingly put on the market a very, very addictive game, which was also geared towards youth. It believes the case has the same legal basis as a 2015 class action lawsuit against tobacco companies for not informing customers about the danger to their health. Earlier this year, the World Health Organization officially recognized gaming disorder as a disease, a decision that's brought up in the authorization request, which also alleges that Epic hired psychologists and really dug into the human brain, and they really made the effort to make it as addictive as possible. Even before the WHO decision, Fortnite was a magnet for lawsuits because of its existing dance moves for emotes. Several artists began legal proceedings against Epic for using their dances without permission or attribution, though they hit some speed bumps and were put on ice in March. While Fortnite includes a waiver to stop people from being part of a class action lawsuit, Calex Legal claims that in Quebec it will be negated by the Consumer Protection Act, which requires companies to warn customers about potential risks like addiction. And of course, that is coming to the site PC Gamer from CBC. Now, I commented on this on Twitter, and I want to reiterate this yet again. I think of it as kind of a compliment whenever you create a game that is so well designed that it becomes involved in a class action lawsuit that literally claims you've made a game so good that it's addictive. That's kind of actually a good thing nine times out of ten. Now, 
I want to be very clear. You can become addicted to a game. It can become a crippling uh, crutch for your life. I mean, looking back to the early days of World of Warcraft, you hear horror stories about how people have lost their jobs, lost their girlfriends, their wives left them, or their significant other left them. You hear these stories, and they are true. I've heard about them my entire life as an adult. Uh, But at the same time, you can't blame the company for creating a game that is legitimately a good game that keeps people playing, that keeps kids invested. And really, if you want to break it down, it's up to the parents to control how much of the game their kids actually play. If you don't want the kid playing the game, go unplug it. If they start crying, tell them to go outside, play a game of baseball or whatever kids do these days. You gotta be a involved parent. You have to be a hands-on parent. You can't just let other companies do the hard work for you. Sometimes you've got to put your foot down, and apparently this is a group of parents who can't seem to do that. Because if you're addicted to a game, like I was earlier in my life, sometimes you just have to get yelled at, chewed out a bit. That's how you become the man that I am today. If any of you actually want to become me, it's okay, I guess. You know, I turned out fairly all right. That's a bit of a too direct example, but you understand what I'm saying. Uh, So Fortnite, again, wrapped up in what could be a big class action lawsuit that personally, I don't think really has any kind of ground to stand on. It's just not good enough. However, another game that can be very addicting, or so I hear, is Monster Hunter World, and it has smashed through 14 million copies sold. The hunt continues. Capcom's best-selling game ever continues to be a huge success for the Japanese publisher. Monster Hunter World Iceborne launched last month, and it's managed to move at least 2.5 million copies, but the expansion's arrival also seems to have had a positive impact on sales of Monster Hunter World. The base release now has broken through 14 million units, taking shipments and digital sales into account. The 2018 title just refuses to stop. Our latest update on Monster Hunter World sales came back in May when Capcom revealed that the game had topped the 12 million mark. That means in the space of about four months, World has moved an additional 2 million copies. That is pretty crazy. We reckon Monster Hunter World and Iceborne deserve all the success that they get, but we doubt that even the most optimistic Monster Hunter fans foresaw these kinds of numbers. Are you still hunting? They ask at Push Square, as they always do with ending their articles in a question. Uh, Personally, I've only hunted once during the Iceborne beta. Uh, I just can't really get into Monster Hunter World for one reason or another, but I will say that as somebody who has played previous Monster Hunter games and become kind of jaded of the series, uh, this one was much more engaging. If I did have a choice as to which one I went back and played, I would totally dive into Monster Hunter World, and who knows? I very well could at some point. Again, there's just so much content, and the game itself is so good uh, that it's no shock to me that the game has continued to sell very, very well. But who could have ever expected 14 million copies sold? That is a lot of copies, especially for a Monster Hunter game. Uh, But it is, again, Capcom's best-selling game ever. It is the biggest hit that they've got, and without a doubt, it's cool to see it still getting some love on the content side of things. In November, we are going to be seeing a big Resident Evil cross We talked about that on yesterday's episode of the show, if you want to dive back in and give that one a listen, Uh, but very cool to see Capcom killing it continuously with Monster Hunter World. Kudos to the team. Kudos to the team. But unfortunately, you won't be sharing your screenshots on Facebook with your grandma and other family members because PS4 owners will no longer be able to share via Facebook. 
Sony Interactive Entertainment is removing Facebook integration from the PlayStation 4. As of Monday, October the 7th, Facebook features will no longer be supported on Sony's current-gen system, meaning PS4 owners will not be able to share gameplay, screenshots, and other gaming activities via Facebook. The removal of Facebook integration also means PS4 owners won't be able to find PlayStation Network friends via their Facebook accounts. Facebook, quote, will no longer be offered as a destination to share screenshots, videos, music, trophy details, or links to gameplay broadcast, Sony says on its PlayStation support website. Additionally, PS4 owners will no longer be able to import profile pictures from their Facebook profiles. Facebook integration was part of the PS4 connectivity features at launch. Sony did not offer an explanation for the removal of Facebook integration on PS4, but we have reached out to the company for more info. In 2018, Facebook said it was restricting how third-party companies could use its members' data and specifically named two partners, Sony and Microsoft, as companies that accessed some Facebook data as a result of a software bug even after Facebook had shut down certain integrations. A new firmware update for PS4 is rolling out this week, version 7.0 of the PS4's system software, which will increase the number of players and parties and adds new remote play options. Another fact, another little uh, tidbit we talked about on yesterday's show. But interesting to see this come right out of the blue. Now I will say... I don't know how many people are actually sharing their gameplay experiences on Facebook. I know that I tend to use Twitter from time to time to share a screenshot, a video clip I might enjoy, something along those lines, uh, but I don't think I've ever shared anything to Facebook. What I have used is the profile picture uh, import. I have used that a good bit, and also the name feature, where instead of saying whatever my PSN name is, you actually see your name, and that's kind of cool. Uh, but interesting to see this being uh, brought up in the news. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but it could signal something bigger happening on Facebook's end than necessarily on the gaming end. But who knows? Maybe this is why Sean Layden left. He said, what? We're ending Facebook integration? I am putting in my resignation today. Goodbye. That's what happened. Maybe he was just on his way to get some brand new Destiny 2 shoes, because you can put Destiny 2 on your feet with these officially licensed boots from Palladium. These branded shoes will be available for pre-order later this week. Have you ever thought to yourself that Destiny 2 is so great, so mind-blastingly awesome, that you wish you could just stick your feet straight into it? If so, I have some oddly specific but still very good news for you. You will soon be able to symbolically at least do just that. And there is a picture of the shoes themselves. Uh, it's got to be a pretty bold look uh, to be able to wear this. Now, I will say, I'm imagining leather jacket on top, potentially with patches. On top of that, very skinny black jeans. I mean, I'm talking hugging the thighs. Then you have these boots on. And that's when you walk into the record store. Official actual footwear courtesy of a partnership between Bungie and Palladium, which apparently got its start making airplane tires in the 1920s before moving into footwear after the war. The company's history also gets into the French Foreign Legion and Duran Duran, among many other great things. It's really quite a journey. There is no word on pricing at this point, but similar looking boots on the Palladium website generally start around $100 at regular price, but having those logos plastered on a pair will no doubt push that price a little higher though. I would guess... 150. I agree with my esteemed colleague at Games Radar that it's a fair price for a decent pair of boots, but take some issue with the suggestion that they look nice. I mean, they're gray, and it's not even an interesting kind of gray, like urban camouflage or something that looks like it fell off of a Vex's ass. It's just dull, flat, blah gray. Where are the glowy bits, they ask at PC Gamer. The neon accents, they cry. The gaudy random embellishments that clash blindingly with everything you own, but the boots are just so damn comfortable you are compelled to wear them anyway. 
I mean, you know, if you want this, go for it. Uh, again, I'm guessing around 150 right now. Boots of a similar nature are at $100. I personally don't have the look to actually wear these. I mean, to be fair, I'm wearing dark jeans and a flannel, so I could probably pull it off, but reluctantly, if you understand what I mean by that. So again, Destiny 2 shoes look to be on the horizon, and you can check them out on the Bungie store later on on October the 11th, going live at 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. But that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. Of course, if you enjoyed the show, be sure to hit that like button and drop me that subscription to stay up to date and informed. Or if you are listening to a podcast, I appreciate you as well. Be sure to follow along with the feed and get the news delivered to your inbox every single weekday. But until tomorrow, you guys have a phenomenal rest of your day. I will talk to you soon and peace.